Good morrow. I'm Beverly. This is Allison. And you're listening to Shaky, Shaky Understanding. Understanding. Today we're going to be talking about one of my favorite plays, Twelfth Night. And I would have to say it's been my favorite that we've read so far. Yeah. So I would agree with that statement. I only read this play once before for a theater street class. And I also have to say, in terms of you always saying, like, you need to see Shakespeare being performed, I think you do need to read it out loud or read it with a group. Because I read it by myself. Oh, yeah. Like, in my dorm room hallway at 11 o'clock at night because I didn't want to wake my roommate up. Oh, no. And it was like... <laughs> Oh my god, this play is so long, and there's so many people. There's like 60 people. There's all these people, and they're all pretending to be other people, and I'm so confused. <laughs> so it was way more fun to read it with you and with all, all our friends. That's so funny. Maybe I loved it because that same class with my teacher who said he, uh, Romeo is a smooth operator. Yeah. We also read this play, and oh, we read nice. it out loud with everyone. Oh, fun. And we had this one kid with like bright red hair named Andrew, and he played Andrew Aguchak yes. every time. Side note. Andrew is my favorite character, and if I were to get to perform Twelfth Night, I would be like, I will only do it if I can play Andrew. Let's have Shakespeare a bridge. Yeah, we open our scene in Illyria, and we find a love-struck Duke Orsino in his court talking about how he's in love with this woman named Olivia. Now, Olivia has just lost her father and her brother. So that both her father and brother have died recently, and she's decided to go into mourning and swear off all men. So she's just wearing black and not talking to dudes now. We cut to the beach. Viola has washed onto shore after a shipwreck with the captain of the ship. And she asks him some questions and he explains where they are. It just kind of sets up for the audience. You're in this place called Illyria. There's a duke here that you can work for if you want. There's also a lady here. Does he know about Olivia's death? I'm sorry, yeah. so many questions. Why does he, that makes zero sense. Because the servants know everything. It, like look at, in this period of drama, look at Tartuffe, look at things by Marlowe as well, Shakespeare as well, like the clown. It's the smartest character in this play. The servants and the smaller characters generally have all of the knowledge and offer all of the mm. exposition That's true. in this period of dramatic history. That's true. So the captain tells her there's also a lady who's in mourning for her brother and her father. And Viola says, I wish I could be with her since I have just lost my twin brother to the shipwreck. And she's feeling the loss of her family members just like Olivia is. But anyway, she says, I'll dress myself as a man and I'll serve the Duke instead since the woman who's in mourning probably doesn't want to see any new people. And she dresses as a boy and starts calling herself Cesario. She goes to the Duke's court and he hires her on. She tells them she's a eunuch and can sing them songs and help them do things and has a high voice. <laughs> and the Duke says, will you... Go and woo Olivia for me in my stead because she won't see me anymore because she's not into me. But I think she's into me. Mm. Bro logic. Bro logic. Viola's like, all right, I'm new here. Let's do it. Meanwhile, at Olivia's house, there's a group of servants. There's Sir Toby, who's a knight, who's Olivia's cousin. So he's a knight, so he's kind of noble, but he just hangs out with all the servants and gets drunk and is just kind of a everyman kind of guy. And then he hangs out with Maria, who's Olivia's handmaiden, 
and Sir Andrew Aguchek is not related to Olivia at all, but he's just friends with Sir Toby. And all he is is drunk and a coward, but also someone who tries to start fights with everyone. <laughs> and he's great. He's, he's literally the best. And then there's also the clown, Festy, who hangs out with them. And he's one of those characters who just, like, messes with everyone and has a bunch of turns of phrase and it's super smart smartest person in the play yeah but he's just making jokes the whole time so andrew is hanging out because toby has convinced him that olivia will probably marry him eventually but really toby is just extorting him for money and like wants to hang out with him and is like oh just give me some more money and we'll we'll get some more beers and we'll we'll figure it out later let's just go hang out Viola comes to the house and Olivia is there in mourning. Olivia says, oh gosh, it's another one of Duke Orsino's boys. Like, I don't want to marry the Duke. I don't know why he keeps sending these people. And her, like, main servant, Malvolio, says, look. And Malvolio is very tight, stuck up, and is like, look, this kid will not leave your doorstep. I've tried to push him away, tell him you won't see him, and he's like, I'm just going to stay here. They're all, they're talking about Cesario, who is Viola, but it's a he to everyone else. So he's like, this boy will not leave. And Olivia says, all right, I see, I see you, Cesario. I see you, boy. She goes, let's, all of my servants put on a veil so he won't know which of us is the lady of the house, which of us is me, and we'll let him in. And so they let Cesario in. Viola as Cesario comes in and is like, hey, uh, which one of you is is the person I'm supposed to talk to because I, I have a really nice speech and it took a long time to memorize it and I would like to say it to the right person. And she and Olivia have this back and forth where they're like, oh, well, you'll just have to do it anyway. Or you could just not do your planned speech and tell me why you're here and get to the point. So Viola is very pithy with her and spits right back at her. And Olivia kind of likes that. Olivia takes her veil off and shows that she's the lady of the house. And Viola as Cesario says, oh, great, and tells her of the Duke's suit. And Olivia is like, look, I don't like the Duke. I'm not going to like the Duke. I'm still in mourning for my brother and father. But if you were to come again, talk to me some more. I mean, you could talk about the Duke, I guess. But just come talk to me some more. And Viola as Cesario is like, um, okay. And then she... She, she goes away and Olivia has this beautiful monologue where she's like, oh my God, I'm so in love with him. Like he's so cute. And then she ends up sending Malvolio after Cesario and gives him a ring that, that Olivia had the whole time and says, oh, that, that little boy, that page boy, totally dropped this. Will you go give this to him? And Viola gets the ring and is like, oh no, she thinks I'm a dude and she's into me. Oh no. And then... She's really sad because Viola has revealed to the audience that she is very much in love with the Duke and is willing to serve him and wants to be right by him and help him get his love with Olivia. But at the same time, like, she's so in love with him. So she's like, oh, no, I made this girl fall in love with me and all I want is the Duke who's in love with her. Oh, Shakespeare, calamity, love triangle. So <laughs> next we see... Sebastian, who is Viola's twin brother, washes up on shore with one of the seamen from the ship, Antonio, and says, again, what is this place? And Antonio, who is the lower class person, ends up knowing mm -hmm. everything and yeah. says, well, I actually used to be 
running with some pirates for a while and we came to this town and now I'm super wanted here and like it's not very good for me to be here but I love you so much you're my best friend I think you're the best person in the whole wide world that I will help you here so hold on to all of my money and meet me at this inn just just in case you want to buy yourself something just in case just just hold on to it and I'll see you tonight and Sebastian's like wow thank you so much that's like the nicest thing anyone's ever said to me I will go walk around and look at stuff and that's that plot point (laughs) then we see the servants Toby and Maria and Andrew Agichek and they come up with a plot to mess with Malvolio who's the uptight servant of Olivia and they know that he's super into Olivia and Maria comes up with the idea of her forging a letter in Olivia's hand because Maria is very good at it and placing it somewhere for Malvolio to find and it's gonna say how Olivia is so in love with Malvolio but she can't tell anyone and she can't even tell him but she wishes he would wear yellow socks with cross gartered style which is like really ugly and she wishes he would smile all the time which on Malvolio is very unsettling and like to eat onions I think at one point it says and stuff like that it's just all these embarrassing things for Malvolio to do to prove his love to Olivia or to show that he loved her back and Olivia doesn't know any of this this is all written by Maria and they drop it from Malvolio to find and Toby and Andrew are just gonna like laugh up a storm about it and Toby is so impressed with this plan he's like I'm gonna marry that girl I'm gonna marry Maria she's so smart and funny as he as one should and then we're back in the court and Viola tells the duke listen I really don't think Olivia's into you sir like I'm really sorry I wish I could ease your pain somehow and he goes you have no idea how hard it is to be in love and she's just like yep I do uh it's a, a personal thing but like I, if I were a woman, it'd probably be someone like you. And she did, they, they have this great scene where there's all these double meanings. And he says, like, have you ever had a brother? And she says, I'm all the sons and daughters of my father's house. Because she thinks her brother is dead. Mm. The audience knows he's alive. Dramatic irony. Dramatic irony. So they have this beautiful scene where she's just saying, I'm so in love with you without saying it to him directly. And then he says, all right, well, could you go to Olivia one more time and see if you can woo her for me? And she's like, yeah, I'll do that. Okay. (laughs) We see Toby and Maria and Andrew. And Andrew comes in and is like, hey, I really don't think Olivia's going to marry me. And Toby's like, no, 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 trust me, dude. You just need to prove yourself to her. Chicks love a tough guy. You know what you should do? That guy that she's super into, Cesario, that she keeps talking about, you should should fight him. And Andrew's like, yeah, I'm gonna fight him. Then we see Malvolio dressed exactly as the letter told him to. And Olivia is extremely scared. She's like, why is he smiling so much? Why is he wearing these socks? I hate that color. This is so weird. And Maria comes in. She's like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with him. We should probably lock him up like we do with all of the crazy people at this time. And she's and Olivia's like, yup. So they lock him in a dark room, which is so sad for Malvolio, but that's what you get. Next, we see Viola coming back to tell Olivia, like, hey, the Duke still likes you, but she's stopped by Sir Andrew Agnuchek, who has decided to fight Cesario, who is Viola, to prove his love to Olivia. And so Viola 
is freaking out because she's never been in a sword fight. She's a woman, and now this guy is challenging her, and she's terrified. Meanwhile, Andrew, who is at his core a coward, but a big talking one, is freaking out because he's like, oh, I don't want this guy to actually hurt me. And he even says something along the lines of, maybe you want my horse? You can have my horse if you don't have to fight. And then Antonio comes in and thinks that Viola is Sebastian. And Antonio comes to Viola's aid, or sorry, comes to Cesario's aid and is going to defend him because he thinks he's Sebastian. He doesn't want Sebastian to get hurt in the sword fight. And so he's about to fight off Sir Andrew and then the guards come and take Antonio away because he is wanted in this land So he used to be a pirate. And Antonio says, hey, Sebastian, who he thinks Cesario is, hey, Sebastian, can I have my money that I let you hold on to earlier so you could buy yourself souvenirs? Because I'm going to need that to get out of jail. And Viola is like, um, I don't know what you're talking about. Here's some money that might help you, I guess, but you never gave me any money. And Antonio is like, this is the biggest betrayal that's ever happened to me. How can you pretend you don't know me? I can't believe this is happening. And is like about to be taken away. So then Sebastian is walking through town and the fool Festi sees him and thinks he is Cesario or Viola. And so... Andrew ends up attacking Sebastian and Sebastian is about to open a can of kick butt on this guy and he is stopped by Olivia coming between them and she's like no don't hurt him I love him and Sebastian's like wait what you're really pretty I'm super into you and she goes like oh well will you come with me? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I'll come with you. And she's like, yes, this guy I've been pursuing for so long is finally into me. But it turns out it's just twin brother. Um, so Sebastian feels like he's landed the jackpot and is going to marry this super pretty girl now. And she's like, do you want to get married? And he's like, yep. So <laughs> Sebastian and Olivia are super in love and super excited. And then Sir Andrew Aguchek and Toby come in bleeding from their heads and say, that dude Cesario totally beat us up. And they're talking to the Duke and they're like, hey, we, this is super messed up. And the Duke is like, Cesario, did you beat these guys up? And he's like, no. And then Antonio comes in and is like, hey, that guy took all my money and then totally left me to rot in jail. But I'm not here to cause any trouble. I was just trying to help this guy out because I think he's so great. And I don't know why he didn't give me my money back. And the Duke is like, uh, Cesario, is that true? And Cesario's like, no. And then Sebastian walks in and is like, hey guys. And everyone's just kind of like, why are there two Cesarios? This is crazy. And Viola <laughs> goes up to him and, and is like so in shock that this could possibly be her brother who she had just thought for sure was dead. She goes, I had a brother once who looked just like me. Is that you? And he said, I had a sister once. And she is just like, that was me. And totally reveals herself to be his sister. And everything is righted. So they realize that Sebastian is her twin brother and that she's a girl. And Duke Orsino is like, oh, great. All these feelings I was having for this, like, boy servant of mine are totally legitimate because you're a woman. You want to get married? And she's like, oh, my goodness. Yes, I do. Because I love you so much. And this beautiful bond that they had that Duke Orsino was like, didn't understand. He's like, oh, it was love the whole time. And Olivia and Sebastian are super excited to be together, even though they just met. 
and Toby and Maria get married as well. And then Malvolio comes out. And poor Malvolio, who's been taken for a ride by all these people and totally like the fool had come in and, and been super rude to him when he was all locked up as a madman and goes, you guys, this is super mean. I don't know why you locked me up or told everyone I was crazy, but I just thought that Olivia loved me. And Olivia's like, oh, uh, this is definitely Maria's forgery. Sorry about that, Malvolio. <laughs> but I'm married to this guy now, so uh, you should probably, you should probably just take a chill pill. <laughs> and that's the end. <laughs> Woo! So that is the summary of Twelfth Night. It's a little complicated. Hopefully, you do read it because it's a really good one. But it's maybe that maybe that'll clear up some confusion. So we have a special guest here with us today. We're really Ooh. excited about this. Is Viola? Hey, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, thanks for making it out. Yeah, yeah of course. Marital bliss is like a hard thing to step away from for a little while. <laughs> so is, so is, let me tell you. Also, it must be a long journey from Illyria. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely takes a while to get here, <laughs> to say the least. For sure, lots of boats. Lots of boats, so many boats. And are, horses. Are you okay going on boats horses. after that terrible <laughs> shipwreck? You know, I, I have a little PTSD, but, you know, Orsina's helping me work through that. So oh, oh, that's so nice. Yeah, yeah he's so great, guys. Cool. I know, I'm sorry, it's disgusting, but... No, I love it. He's just, he's just so great. Oh my god, it's just so great to meet Yay. you. Yay! <laughs> um, I'm blushing. Yeah, you're so in love. I love mm. this story. So, modern-day adaptation. I think this story has been told again in She's the Man with yes. Amanda Bynes. Correct. Which is the one everyone loves to uh, to cite when I say that I love Twelfth Night. And I, for some reason, hate that movie. I don't know why. I do, too. Not my favorite. <laughs> See? Absolutely. From the, from they the get everything spell. wrong. They get everything wrong. No, I mean, they, they, they follow basic plot, but that's about it. I know, but I... I feel like there's no story like the true story, mm. but mm. Yeah, that's just nice. me. I'm a purist. Mm. So that's an option. I think that's pretty much the only one. I think so, too. I mean, there's probably, you know, straight from versions again. Yeah. So now I am going to ask some questions. I don't actually have too many questions for this play. It is, while it's complicated in terms of people dressing as other people and their relationships and who's in love with who and who knows that who is who, <laughs> woo, 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 woo. The plot is actually pretty simple. Everyone ends up with the right person, all of that. A question that I thought of, why is it called Twelfth Night? Is that ever revealed? And is it like they're, they spend 12 days in Illyria and then that's when everyone finds out? It's, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's actually a historical thing. Yeah. Oh, do you want to talk about it? that, uh, Viola? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, you would know. It's your story. Right, yeah. Well, um, the I believe the play was originally written for a special festival, um, and it was the Twelfth Night Festival, and so it really doesn't have much connection to the story, which, you know, mm -hmm. Will and I kind of fought over that a little bit, because mm -hmm. I wanted it to be a little more true to the story and to my life, but, um, but I understand, you know, playwriting is playwriting, and you've got to do what you got to do, so that's, that's actually where the title comes from. So you wanted the title to be Viola and Orsino. Viola's yeah. Adventure. Yeah, something like that, something a little bit more, yeah, like, I'll, I'll take Viola's <laughs> It'll be cool, too, because it's a V and an A, and you could, like, put those next oh to each other because it's, like, that an upside-down so A. Speaking of modern-day adaptations, I did think of another one. It's not really a straight modern-day adaptation, but obviously, like I was saying before we started reading, the end of Shakespeare in Love is supposed to represent the beginning oh, of yeah. Twelfth Night. So Shakespeare in Love... Is a film. Is a film. <laughs> it's not based on... 
any particular one of Shakespeare's plays, but kind of deals with his life and looks at the writing of a... Looks at the Romeo, writing of Romeo and Juliet. Romeo and Juliet specifically. But aren't they at the very beginning rehearsing, like, another play, too? Yeah, it's... But it's a play that he, like, scraps. It's about okay. pirates. It's, like, the pirate daughter of Gervaldo. <laughs> and he's like, why don't you call it Romeo and Juliet instead? So, anyway, that's a great film just to check out, because... It's a wonderful movie. Absolutely one of my favorite films. Definitely watch it. Great. Whew, I was nervous for a second. You were going to say you didn't like it. And I was oh, like, I, I was like, bro, it's a great movie. <laughs> Let's be real. Well, it's written by, who's the author? It's some famous playwright. It's written by Sto Tom Stopper. Oh, that's right. It's written Tom, by Tom Stopper. Well, and everyone just bowed to Tom Stopper because he's amazing. We all just bowed. But the end of that film is supposed to be representative of Twelfth Night. Yes. The film also reflects the play because it's a woman dressing as a man to get what she needs and she falls in love with someone who thinks she's a man um, <laughs> and uh, her name is Viola and the, the whole idea is that he bases this character off her. But really we have Viola right here so <laughs> get over right. it Shakespeare right. love. <laughs> Let's talk about the relationships because they are so complicated. So Viola is in love with Orsino the Duke. Mm -hmm. Orsino the Duke is in love with Olivia. Mm -hmm. Olivia is in love with Viola, because she thinks he, she's a man. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Sorry, Viola. It's fine. And then um, <laughs> Sebastian is in love with Olivia once he meets her and yes. sees her. And then Olivia falls in love with Sebastian, because she thinks that he's Viola. Right. Toby and Maria are in love with each other. Toby and Maria are in love with each other. Malvolio likes Olivia, but she doesn't like him back. Andrew is convinced to like Olivia by Toby. Andrew is in love with his beer and his mm -hmm. Cheetos. I understand, Viola, that Cheetos were probably not around. However, I must say, I can only picture him constantly walking on stage eating <laughs> Cheetos. Can we talk about our idea for Andrew? That he's high all the time? Yeah. Yeah, of course. I was gonna, yeah, I was going to definitely... I mean, because he, he is supposed to be drunk all the time, so it would just be updating it to be a little more modern, which is why I see him just walking on stage and eating Cheetos. And there are several scenes where he talks at the beginning, and then Toby and Malvolio or Toby and Maria have a decently long conversation, and then Andrew just chimes in right again at the end. So if I had the honor of playing Andrew, which <laughs> is my love, and my new dream role... He would just, I would just fall asleep because he, he would just be like chilling and because like at one point they're watching Malvolio read the letter, you know Hello. that scene? And go back and look at it. Andrew talks at the beginning and only right at the end. So I feel like he's just chilling on this rock ledge going, yeah, yeah, I agree at the beginning. And then he eats some Cheetos. He falls asleep. And then he wakes up right at the end and is like, oh yeah, me, me too. I'm, I'll, I'll marry Marie too. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> it's great. Just baked. When meeting Andrew at first, I thought he was high. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Stolly stoned all the time. The themes or the symbols in the play are fairly obvious and understandable, I would say. I mean, the ring that Olivia sends to you at mm -hmm. one point, we understand that to mean it's a token of love and a symbol mm -hmm. of her love because you immediately realized what that mm -hmm. meant. <laughs> yeah. Pretty, yeah, I, I had this ring. I was like, I left no ring with her. What is going on? And, I mean, I'm a woman. I get it. I I would do the same thing if I was in her position. And, and you know, my brother, he's a pretty handsome dude, and I tried to look like him. So I can, I understand why that, nice. that may have happened. It was awkward, but, you know, <laughs> you roll with it. I know you were just speaking about when you first met Andrew, and mm -hmm. you thought he was high all the time. 
what was going through your mind when he challenged you to a duel then? Yeah, so that was that was an interesting day. A lot happened that day. It was a very eventful day. When he challenged me, I I I kind of knew uh, that he had the hots for Olivia. I mean, everyone did. And he drew his sword. And I mean, okay, so yeah, I'm a woman, but I was like, I I this is a sword. I know how to stab someone with a sword. I can totally do this. I was really, I was not that scared. I was not as scared as some may think I was. Stick him with the pointy end, right? Yeah, exactly. There we go. <laughs> Classic advice. There we go. Exactly. So I was like, yeah, I, I got this 100%. Hmm. Excellent. You weren't scared at all? Uh, no, I mean, well, okay, have you met Andrew? Probably not. He's like, he's stoned all the time. And so I figure <laughs> all I have to do is keep him at bay at the very least. And I can do that. And, you know, I've I've seen, I've seen like Orsino practice. Oh. Oh. Oh, I was watching Orsino practice. Oh, that was hard, man. <laughs> that was Whew. in that a couple ways, eh? Yeah. That, <laughs> uh, uh, well, yeah, I guess. <laughs> Cesario. Yeah. Thanks for that was a very confusing time yeah. in my life. Yeah. Um, Has Orsino ever talked about that time? Did he feel like he had feelings for you, even when you were dressed as a boy? There was this instant kind of connection, mm-hmm. which was I could tell confusing for him instantly. It was also confusing for me because I had just lost my brother and I was going through all this really difficult stuff. But he, yeah, there was there was a camaraderie there, and I think it, it never. I mean, he's a he's a great guy, so it never yeah. crossed any boundaries. Right. Uh, you know, but has he revealed to you that he had like feelings about you and um, was like. I don't know what to do with this. Yeah, well, that's that's kind of what I'm talking about. Is yeah. There was like this camaraderie, but it was like on a deeper level, as opposed to like, hey, you're my you're my man and it's awesome, and it's just like, guy way, like you know, mm. like totally chill. I'm fine. We're cool, but you're also like kind of cute. Mm. So um, he did that. Was he did admit that to me? It took a while though. Understandably, yeah. <laughs> he was probably pretty shocked the whole. <laughs> Poor guy, a I swear, days. that last, yeah, no, that, that last day that I was, I was talking about when everyone kind of showing up, he handled himself so well, like, as, and I think Will does a really wonderful job of portraying that. William Shakespeare, that is. Because just all this stuff is getting thrown at him, and I was just sitting there, first of all, freaking out because of Sebastian, freaking out because of Olivia, freaking out because I don't have to dress like a guy anymore, which was fun, but... You know, I like dresses. Um, so, so it was. I I think he just he handled himself really well. One thing that's very symbolic in this show, and you know, a choice that you made was to dress as a man. This is our first play where we've seen someone, a girl, dressed as a boy, and this is something that Shakespeare does with a bunch of his characters in his plays. This is just the first one we've read. It's one of the more famous ones too. Mm-hmm. I would say there are lots of instances of people dressing as other people, but when it's a woman dressing as a man, it's either called like a pants roll or a cross-dressing part or something of that nature. I I just love them. <laughs> These roles are incredible because it's usually a woman trying to either rise above her station or take power when she has none because she's trying to get something done. So in this play, it's her trying to get a foothold in this new land after she's lost literally everything on this shipwreck. In Merchant of Venice, she's trying to help someone that she's in love with, and she needs to be in power to be able to do that. 
in As You Like It. She's in basically a fascist society run by men, and she runs into the forest and pretends to be a boy and is able to woo this guy that she would have never been able to woo. She would have had to be passively wooed, and instead she can actively woo in the forest in As You mm. Like It. I know that was a lot of plays. We'll get to those eventually, and maybe this will make more sense. Here in this play, it's really cool because we see... Viola, she's faced with all these things she would never be faced with. And it, it speaks to her character. And I think to you, I think you would agree of how like smart and thoughtful she is in that she like, she like gets, Olivia falls in love with her, but she, she takes it really seriously and is like, oh, I have to try not to lead her on. Mm -hmm. And Orsino is like really close with her, but she's like, oh, I don't want to make him feel weird. So I have to back off a little, but I'm going to, I love him so much. I just want to keep talking to him. And so she has all this, this incredible power and it's, it's really cool to see her sort of awaken in that. So we talked about last week how these plays were performed by all men. So this would be a man playing a woman dressing as a man, which creates all this really interesting takes. Um, we talked about how the, the ingenue parts or the love roles were usually played by young boys. Now in Shakespeare's time, men were actually kind of attracted to young boys as well as women. So this would have been a combination of like all of the things that were ideal to men of the time. So we were doing some research before you showed up mm -hmm. and basically what you were saying, it's just really interesting in English society at the time, it was not really okay for men to be attracted to young boys, but it was kind of known that that was going on and it was sort of acceptable. So therefore these roles that are written for young boys to be playing women dressing as men that's like the ultimate in desire and perfection in love or in romance. So these roles are even more powerful because some people, of course, are like, eh, Shakespeare's no good because he didn't let women perform his plays. That was the whole society at the time. Yeah. So you can't put that on the playwright. Yeah. They can almost be seen as more powerful in the statements that they were making. Well, the other point that we came across while researching was that part of the fear of women dressing as a man in general, not even just on stage, was that then they would become a man and they would gain all of this power, which of course didn't happen. <laughs> it's not how it works, guys. But a lot of these roles that are women dressing as men, it is so that they can get a job like you, mm -hmm. Viola, or to gain some sort of power. But then generally by the end of the play, they've revealed that they are actually a, a woman, they get married, so they aren't a threat to the patriarchy and to the hierarchy of society at the time. Because they submit to their husbands. Correct. Do you have any final thoughts that you want to talk about, Viola? Because I know we would love to sort of revisit your history and read some stuff with you. Yeah, sure. The, I think the cross-dressing thing, I, I like how you brought that up as far as it was what it took to, to get power. And, and at the time, mm. I wasn't, it, it really was a coping mechanism even for figuring out what am I going to do? You know, I'm not going to just sit on this beach and whine and moan about it. And it was so lovely what Beverly said, all those nice things about me. But it, it really was, I, I had to get my stuff together and I had to mm -hmm. figure out how to do it and I the only option at the time was to to dress as a man is that the only way that you could get a job that would yeah. pay you absolutely. money absolutely mm -hmm. well and also it was it was a new place I was vulnerable as a woman land there there weren't very 
many options for me. Mm. And there was no way to prove my parentage. There was no way to prove that I was a a noble woman. There was Mm. no way to prove that I actually did come from a good family. And so even getting a job as a a helpmaiden to someone like Olivia Mm. just wasn't an option. The only thing to do really was to dress up as a man. Um, So I'm just, I'm glad it worked out. (laughs) I am too. I think it was a really, a really brave choice. Thank you. Yeah. Because you'd been discovered. I know. It could have been crazy. It could have been crazy. It was very touch and go for for a while there. So we're going to read a scene now. This is uh, Act 2, Scene 4. And Viola just came back and told Orsino that Olivia is still not into him. And he's really sad. He had the fool sing this really sad song about love. And they're just kind of hanging out. And then everyone leaves. And so it's just Viola and Orsino alone together. And they have this scene. Mm. Once more, Cesario, get thee to yawn some sovereign cruelty. Tell her my love, more noble than the world. Prizes not quantity of dirty lands. The parts that fortune hath bestowed upon her tell her I hold as giddily as fortune, but tis that miracle and queen of gems that nature pranks her and attracts my soul. But if she cannot love you, sir... I cannot be so answered. Sooth, but you must. Say that some lady, as perhaps there is, hath for your love as great a pain of heart as you have for Olivia. You cannot love her, you tell her so. Must she not then be answered? There is no woman's sides can bind the beating of so strong passion as love doth give in my heart. No woman's heart so big to hold so much they lack retention. Alas, their love may be called appetite. No motion of the liver but the palate that suffer surfeit, cloyment, and revolt. But mine is all as hungry as the sea and can digest as much. Make no compare. Between that love a woman can bear me, and that I owe Olivia. Aye, but I know. What dost thou know? Too well what love women to men may owe. In faith they are as true of heart as we. My father had a daughter, loved a man. As it might be, perhaps, were I a woman, I should your lordship. And what's her history? A blank, my lord. She never told her love. But let concealment like a worm of the bud feed on her damask cheek. She pined in thought, and with a green and yellow melancholy, she sat like patience on a monument, smiling at grief. Was not this love indeed? We men may say more, swear more, but indeed our shows are more than will. For still we prove much in our vows, but little in our love. But died thy sister of her love, my boy? I am all the daughters of my father's house, and all the brothers too, and yet I know not. Sir, shall I to this lady? Aye, that's the theme. Uh, To her, in haste, give her this jewel. Say, my love can give no place. Bid me no denay. I love in that too that Orsino mm-hmm. and you, Viola, are saying, yeah, women can't love and you you bring up a great point. No, absolutely. Yeah, this scene mm-hmm. is about equality. And you were saying Orsino and you talked about this moment. <laughs> yeah, we were reminiscing. We were, it was just fun to, yeah, to kind of, once 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 we got married, <laughs> once I, it was all You locked sealed. it down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Then it would become a little easier to kind of go back over events and be like, so let's let's talk about this. Let's make sure this doesn't just get swept under the rug. Mm. Um, and he did. He he came to see kind of how 
how much I, I had fallen in love with him that I would go and woo this other woman for his sake. And you suffered. And exactly. And, and sacrificed. I, I sacrificed, I sacrificed so much. And I, I he really, he came to respect that. I, I think it's one of the things, one of the things mm. he loves about me. Oh. So. All right. Triple wedding. This is a great play. Great play. Check it out, guys. It's All awesome. Right. So thank you so much for listening along to Shaky Understanding. I'm Beverly. This is Allison. Deuces, peasants! <laughs> Can't do two things at once. I can't talk about Firefly and do something else at once. Give me a break, kid.